Good morning. All right, so my name is Colton Brewer. If I haven't met you, I'm the youth director here at Trinity. Uh, if I've never met you or you've never seen me, welcome, and I'm happy y'all get to come here. Um, I'm really thankful that Jeff and Jake were willing to let me uh, start off this series on prayer, so I figured I'd go with a really dramatic title for my sermon, uh, make it sound really intense. And part of that is... Well, we're not persistent in our prayer in a lot of times, and persistence in general is something I think we all struggle with. There's a reason why New Year's resolutions happen every year. We didn't stick with them, right? Um, if you ask a salesperson, which I think I've met some salespeople who go to church here, you know that persistence is important, that being persistent, asking and asking, well, if you stop right away, you're not ever going to win. Um, introverts know that persistence is a big piece. Uh, one of the hardest parts for an introvert, I know, is not so much making the phone call, it's the pep talk before the phone call. Um, can last 20, 30 minutes. But if you're not willing to do that, to be persistent in that work and follow up with that, you're going to struggle. And prayer is one of those things where we are not persistent with. Uh, we become even real-life extroverts. We shrink away from the Lord. We turn away from him, and we forget how important prayer is. So as we start to look at God's word and how he pulls us to prayer, implores us to, uh, let us approach him and pray right now. And dear Heavenly Father, I come before you and I thank you so much for the many blessings that you give us, Lord. I'm, I'm so thankful that um, we have the words of Christ encouraging us in prayer, encouraging us in everything that we do, Lord. I pray that this time would remind us to not lose hope, but to have continual trust in the power of your Spirit. Lord, work in our hearts today, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I think when it comes to persistence with prayer, a lot of times it's, it gets either a little boring or we're not really sure what to do with it. Um, I turn to J.C. Ryle, if you've ever heard of him. He was one of Anglican divines from the 19th century. He had a really good little quote from his book, A Call to Prayer, that says, Prayer is the simplest act in all religion. It's simply speaking to God. It needs neither learning, nor wisdom, nor book knowledge to begin it. It needs nothing but heart and will. The weakest infant can cry when he is hungry. The poorest beggar can hold out their hand for alms and does not wait to find fine words. The most ignorant person will find something to say to God if they only have the mind. As we look at this parable, and I, I love the parables of the Lord. They're wonderful. We see one of these people that we may have thought, this is not your theologian of the day. This is not somebody who is going to be having these lofty words, but it's a simple persistence in everything that she's doing. And when we look at this, we see that Christ is wanting us to be bold in our prayers and trust in them. Um, and the purpose of this text, I think if we look right at the beginning of this, Jesus even says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Losing heart's very easy for us to do because if we think about prayer, a lot of times we go to them in pressure cooker moments when our car breaks down. And I can tell you the Brewer family has had some car breakdowns in our life. Um, I'm sure y'all have. I know the pastoral staff at Trinity has. Um, 
of medical emergencies. Those things, those naturally pull us in and we pray. We go straight to the Lord in those. Um, other times, it's being patient in our prayer, trusting in what the Lord is doing. We become, like many of you, probably baked cakes or cookies this week, and you had to watch your kids just asking how much longer until it's done, how much longer until the baking's over. And we get that same way with the Lord with our prayer. We have so many things we're bringing to Him, and we want resolution now, but we can't be patient. Our prayers should be consistent, whether it's crunch time or peaceful time. When we look at this passage, I want y'all to look at three points I'm going to point out within this text. The first one is to pray fervently. The second is to pray with purpose. And our last is to pray trusting God's justice. Okay. When we see praying fervently, we shouldn't fear approaching the Lord and doing it often. But we really do a lot. We, we're not willing to do this. Um, the widow is a perfect example of approaching the Lord. Um, one thing I do want to mention, because a lot of times folks will see judge, ooh, God, that's who that is. This judge in this parable is not a stand-in for God. He is meant to be a foil, an exact opposite of who we should be looking for in God. God is just and good. This judge ain't. He ain't it. But we see with this widow, she recognizes her need. Um, she lived in a similar time to we just got done with Ruth, and we saw that Ruth and Naomi had to rely on the kindness of others. There's no disability. There was no survivor's benefits, things like that. It was trusting in family to care for you, trusting in others to do these things. And this widow has no Boaz, unfortunately. That would make for a much more fun parable, maybe. But we don't see that. And so what is it that this widow is coming for? It says that she needs justice from her enemies. Give me justice against my adversary. Now, I'd like to know who that adversary is. What are they doing? How are they pushing this poor widow back? That's not the point. The point is that she needs justice. She needs relief and she goes to this judge. Now, this is not a judge that I would want dealing with any case that I've got. It says that he neither respects man nor God. Well, if you're going to be bold enough to say something like that, maybe I won't trust you as a just judge. And yet this widow, she knows this. She keeps badgering him, keeps going to him, saying, I need justice. Give me what I need and she knows that she needs to go to this judge asking for intercession. And yet, she keeps getting turned away. She doesn't turn to grumbling, complaining, and, oh man, this judge is awful. She keeps going to this judge asking. And when we think about our own fervency in prayer, how are you with your intercession? Do you just go to the Lord once let it be? Or do you continue approaching the Lord, approaching those same things, approaching those same concerns, those same fears, those same desires that you have in your heart? Often, we don't mirror her requests. We end up being lazy in our prayers, and I can say that for myself. Again, we end up doing it as a last-ditch effort where we can be lazy even knowing that God is not capricious like this judge, uh, obviously God does not hate man, 
but we act that way. We fear that he won't do this. Now, with that fervency, there should be purpose. Uh, Have you ever caught yourself halfway through a prayer and not really sure what you're talking about? Yeah, me too. Um, That's embarrassing when that happens, and you kind of forget, what was I praying for? What was I talking about in the middle of this? We very much can be like that. We can meander through prayers. Uh, For those of you who are last-minute gift shoppers, it's like going to the mall and not really having a clue of what you're going to buy, and so you just kind of wander around hoping that inspiration strikes. This widow isn't like that. She knew exactly what she needed. It wasn't some malformed, well, I need something. I need some kind of help. It was, I need justice from this adversary. She could have asked for so many things. She could have kept it very broad, but she was not. She wasn't being frivolous with her prayers. She wasn't being vague with her prayers. She was being very upfront with this, asking for justice against her adversary. Um, When we approach the Lord, do we do this? Do we go to the Lord recognizing that he will hear our words? We often can get very awkward with our prayers and almost shy and sheepish, as if the Lord does not know the inner thoughts of your heart. We act like, well, he would just, he wouldn't understand. He wouldn't know. And we, we kind of toe around it like a child who's afraid to ask for a refill at a restaurant because, well, waiters are a little scary sometimes. Um, We know that we can trust, we can go before the Lord, we can ask Him what it is that we need. Looking again at our brother Ryle, another quote of his that, there were just so many, I wanted to share a couple with y'all. He says, We should believe that nothing is too small to be named before God. What should we think of a patient who told his doctor he was ill, but never went into that particulars? What should we think of the wife who told her husband she was unhappy, but did not specify the cause? What should we think of a child who told their father that he was in trouble, but nothing more? Christ is the true bridegroom of the soul, the true physician of the heart, the real father of all his people. Let us show that we feel this by being unreserved in our communications with him. Let us hide no secrets from him. Let us tell him all of our heart. And he makes such an excellent point. We often want to be a little passive-aggressive, even with the Lord, when we're asking for so many things. We forget, as it says in the Psalm 139, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. We forget that so often. We forget what the Lord knows, what He's hearing. Why not bring it before Him? Why be sheepish in your thoughts? We should be bold in our prayer. This woman was nothing but bold in her prayers. She was intense with this judge, letting him know exactly what they wanted. And we should trust praying God's justice. Now, looking at this judge, not a good judge, not a good judge at all. Uh, He's not someone you'd want to trust. You wouldn't trust to get earthly justice. Uh, If we were all in traffic court with this judge, you know you're paying that ticket. Um, but even then, there were, 
things that we knew within the Old Testament. If you've spent time in Deuteronomy, and if you're doing a regular reading plan, I'm sure you'll hit it in March or so or February, um, you'll be looking at Deuteronomy. And there are many outlines on what are judges expected to do. What is expected of them? And we can look at Deuteronomy 27. It says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And all people shall say, Amen. Cursed be that person. These Israelites, these were not like us. We weren't Gentiles. We weren't living in a common law society. These were people who knew the law of God. They had grown up hearing the Torah taught about within the temple, within the synagogues. So they knew, oh, this judge is not really holding up to our standards. It's kind of like if you are in America and you know the traffic laws and you see somebody breaking them, uh, driving on the wrong side of the road, you kind of know implicitly, oh, that's a problem. These people knew exactly what was going on here, and they saw a judge who was in dereliction of his duty. It's very much if any of you are in the medical field, you know, of the Hippocratic Oath, where your goal is to do no harm this judge was very much doing the opposite. He was doing harm to this woman and being wicked in this. And yet, here's the funny thing. This is an unjust judge. He's not some that, someone that any of us would trust. He relents. He relents because he's annoyed. He's worried that he's going to keep getting pestered. And with this, we can see that, okay, this guy's not so good, but yet he did the right thing at some point. What we need to remember is, and again, as I mentioned earlier, this is not God the judge. This is a foil against God. This is an exact opposite. This judge is meant to represent what God is not. God is true. He is just. He is good. Uh, God is not like this man. He is perfect in his works. Going back to Deuteronomy and if this says anything, I love Deuteronomy, you should read it more. We see in Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and out, without iniquity, just and upright, is he. Now imagine this woman had went, not to this awful judge, who even just admits, I don't really care for people. I don't have respect for God. But went before someone just and good as our Lord. She would get justice. She would be able to trust that she would get the things that she asked for because God is good. He is just. And when we consider these prayers, what are we asking for as we pray? Now, this is where I think this can get very tricky with these parables as we use them. Um, this is for a very specific situation, but I think we can pull a lot more out of this. We want to see that with that persistence, we should be praying for so many other things. Uh, obviously not praying for sinful desires. I think we all know folks who've prayed for winning lottery tickets. That's always kind of the joke is I'll pray for the lottery ticket. I'll be a winner. We know that God's not a heavenly piggy bank, but he asks us to pray for the simplest things. Justice is one of those, but we see in the Lord's Prayer, something that my family prays regularly, we're asked to ask for our daily bread. Something so simple as bread that I think, honestly, all of us in this room could take for granted very easily. We live in a place where even with lockdowns, even with troubles, famine's not a huge fear of ours. And yet we forget that 
the Lord told us to pray for our daily provisions, to ask for our physical needs to be met. And we should also pray for the lost. We know that God is just. He is gracious. For those of you who have called upon the Lord, you know what that's like to feel that grace come, to be forgiven of your sins. And yet, we should continually be on our knees praying for those who don't have that hope, who don't have that faith. Unlike this judge where his role was an earthly role, we have a heavenly God who is able to do so much more. He's able to do so many more things than that judge, and he's willing to do so many more things. Recognizing that this world is lost, that it's marred, and it's painful, we should be on our knees constantly praying for those around us. Um, I would echo and going to give another quote from our brother Charles Spurgeon talking about our prayers for those who do not have the Lord. He said, and you've, many of you have probably heard this quote, says, Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. My goodness. When we consider how little, and it's very easy to do this, to pray for those who don't have the Lord, who are not following the Lord, we get in a malaise very, very easily, and yet we should not be like this. We should be just as fervent as folks who like sharing their favorite movies. And I tell you what, people are really intense about their favorite movies. Very intense. And if you've ever had a favorite movie that you've shared with someone and you let them watch it and they're not as impressed as you, oh my, that's the worst feeling. And yet it's just a movie. There's no eternal significance to that movie. There's not anything that will affect your life and thereafter. But imagine you share your faith with those who don't have the Word, who don't know the faith that you have, don't know the justice that may come. We must remember that we're not just fighting against our own sins. We are fighting against principalities and powers. There are evil things, demons, trying to pull us down, seeking to destroy us. We know that there is justice against those things. We know that the Lord will fight against those things. And yet, we get a little weird. We'll share our favorite movies, but we may not share our Lord who has done so much for us. And as we're thinking about how should we apply this, I want to go to Christ's question at the end. Because it's just such a challenging aside in this. And it says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Ooh, that, that stung reading that because everything else before that, I'm like, yes, God's doing awesome things. He's so much better than this earthly judge. We can trust in him. And then he says, but will there be faith on earth? We can often find ourselves to be one of those people that Jesus often referred to as, oh, you of little faith. We can easily slip into that. And oftentimes that was the disciples. Those were people who loved him. Um, but even when 
we fall into those things, we should trust in the Lord. We should trust in his efficacy. God, let's cards on the table. We are Presbyterians. We're reformed. We believe in the sovereignty of God. We trust that he is working this world. He hasn't abdicated the world and just left us be. We trust that he is working here, that he is active, and that he is actually doing things. Are you praying in a way that believes that? Does it actually trust that you know, well, God will give us justice, that he is so much better than these unjust earthly judges? Are we like this widow on our hands and knees pleading before the foot of the king? And I hope so. I hope we all are. But if we're not, what should we do? And if you are, well, let's encourage you. How should you continue? We should pray without ceasing. Paul admonishes us in Romans that, again, we should pray without ceasing. Everybody knows that one. That's a good, fun one. But this praying without ceasing, we can fall into some traps here. It's not just set prayers. It's not just, okay, here's your set prayer. Say 10 of these and you're set for the day. Um, We should be praying for many things. Again, when we look back at the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer doesn't just cover one topic. It covers all topics. It covers daily needs. It covers our need for the Lord. It covers for our sins. Uh, one of the things that I have loved being in this tradition is the fact that we confess our sins every week as a body. Are we doing that weekly? Are we confessing our sins and asking for the Lord's grace weekly upon us? Just as the widow is constant in her request to God, we shouldn't be concerned about bothering the Lord. Uh, Oftentimes, I think people get afraid that they're going to be like an annoying mother in a sitcom who's just constantly coming over and badgering, uh, asking for things, and just being in the way. You are not that, okay? The Lord delights in you and loves you, and He wants to hear your words, wants to hear your pleas. As we see here, Christ wants us to pray Don't be afraid to pray without ceasing. Uh, The Psalms are filled with prayers that cover a gamut of concerns. Uh, Often we look at Psalms of praise because they're beautiful, they're wonderful, but the Psalms of lament, those are prayers that we should often hold in our heart because, let's be honest, our world is painful at times, and sin is part of it, death is part of it, And there's so many things that we often do not allow ourselves to approach the Lord and ask for his grace in those times of lament, those times of pain. Approach him constantly and pray boldly, okay? Again, don't be afraid to ask for what you are needing to ask for. Don't feel like, well, I have to beat around the bush because I'm just going to have to negotiate with God. God is not a car salesman. He is a gracious Father who will give us what we need. He will give us what we are asking for. And here's what I would say is don't just turn your prayers into, again, a list of aching limbs, which I've hurt myself a fair amount of times. Uh, So I have prayed for those things even in the past couple weeks. And yet, don't turn your prayers into just aching limbs and sick bodies Let them be for intervention very boldly in other areas. 
Ask for intervention in your life, in your struggles, in your pains, in the ways that you interact with others. For those who don't have faith, and I'm sure in a congregation this big, there are those who have not called upon the Lord. What does this mean for you? This means that you should pray that the Lord gives you faith. You should repent and trust in the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. Because again, He is just, He is good. He is not someone who is capricious, willing to just harm you for the sake of harming you. He's willing to give you what is good. We should trust that he's not like these earthly judges where we're not sure what we're going to get. It's not a box of chocolates. We know exactly what we're getting. And we should pray for our community. Constantly be praying for our community. DFW is a doozy for me. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, honestly. And the amount of people here is immense. And we can forget that very easily. We can get so caught in our own bubbles, thinking about ourselves. And especially when we consider up here in Kong County, we can often use external badges to ward things off, whether that be our accomplishments, our wealth. And we can use those things to cover up the fact that we are hurting people who need the Lord, that we are people who need Christ daily. And we forget that even though a lot of people around us might look like everything's okay, they too need the Lord. They need Him as those who are without Christ, those who are without redemption from Christ. They are just like this widow. They're in trouble. They have an adversary coming for them, and they have no hope without intervention from a divine judge. With this, constantly be praying. And for those of you with families, children, friends, be praying for them. We should constantly be in prayer for those around us. I oftentimes, and I'm sure the youth might be like, again, I often will tell them, remember, you're part of the church. You agree to those vows that you give during baptismal services to raise, to care for all of the little children who come for baptism as covenant members of our body. Those of you who may not have a physical family here, right here, you are part of the body of Christ. You've made those vows to care for the growth of those in our body. Remember that and pray for them. Uh, I say this as a father of two children who've been baptized, have been given the covenant sign. I covet your prayers for those children. And I know any parent here would say the same be constantly in prayer for the steadfasting of their faith. I echo Peter as you were praying. We are in a time where the world doesn't care for the gospel, doesn't care for what we're saying, uh, no matter how nicely we say it. And we should pray for the steadfastness of our children. We oftentimes can treat are raising up of those in the body, especially those in our family, as almost like cooking a steak without defrosting it. You're going to get a nasty steak if you don't defrost that all the way and you just throw it on the, on the stove frozen. You may get something okay, but you're not going to have something perfect. With prayer, we have the intervention of the Lord. We have Him on our side working in a way that we cannot 
We are limited on our own, but with the power of the Spirit, we are able to do so much. And I would say, pray for the world. I, one of the things I will tell y'all that has been such a blessing to me coming to Trinity, and actually at our previous church, was just the sheer amount of missionaries and mission-minded folks that we have who care for those across the world who are perishing. Not just for those who are across the street, and obviously we should care for those in our neighborhood who do not know Christ, but we should not forget those around the world. And we should be constant, not just in our giving, but in our prayer for those, for our missionaries, but also Christians who are in other countries. Um, I got to meet a few months back folks who were starting a training center, um, training pastors for a persecuted country out here in Texas because they couldn't do it in their country. It was outstanding to hear the work that they were doing, and yet you could tell that there was fear in spite of their boldness. We should pray for those who were persecuted, for those who are enduring governments who are not kind to the faith. We should be praying for, I think of, the church in China, the church in the Middle East, the church in South Asia, where there is so much persecution. And these people should be constantly on our minds, and we should consider how we can partner with them, how we can care for them, how we can send missionaries to share the gospel and to care for these people. And even greater, we should pray that these governments are brought down, that they come to respect the Lord, that they show favor to the Christian faith and allow for people to live in peace, to worship the Lord. That's not something we can do on our own, but God is faithful. He is able to give so many things. We came up as a persecuted faith in the early church. People in our family were thrown to lions. They were tortured mercilessly, if the Lord can go from that to making us a worldwide faith where the gates of hell cannot prevail against, we should have faith that he can do so much more with us. Prayer, like I said, it's a great challenge for us. We talk a lot about it, and I was convicted the whole time preparing this sermon, thinking about, man, I've been talking a lot about prayer, been reading a lot about prayer, but man, I haven't prayed near enough. And I just didn't feel like I could get enough prayer. I would encourage you to feel the same way. Don't spend your time talking about prayer. Spend your time in communion with the Lord. Spend time speaking with Him. Again, as our brother Ryle said, we should be just like a child willing to go and ask their parent. Uh, My children have no issue coming and asking me for a sandwich or a cup of water or anything. You too should trust that your Father in Heaven will be just as receptive to your pleadings. And as Jesus desired, do not lose hope. Don't lose heart. We know that God is listening to us, and again, He is not given up this world. He has not turned away from it. He is working in our world, and our prayers are efficacious. We should feel bold to approach the God of glory, knowing that unlike this unjust judge, that he will do that which is just.
pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a good judge, that you are our King. Father, we are so blessed to have you and to have the words of Christ, Him letting us know how we should act, how we should pray, and giving us an example of how we should approach your your throne, Father. I ask that we would do this, remember this, and follow after you, Lord. Prepare our hearts as we come to the table and we commune with you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.